Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners. Welcome to Passion Harvest, where we aim to inspire you to live a passionate life. I'm so excited. My guest today is Greg Doyle. In 1999, Greg awakened to the reality of astral projection, a life-changing experience that expanded his consciousness, changed the course of his career, and altered the very perception of his being at a fundamental level. Greg, a former professional classic musician, is the author of Awakening the Giant Within, a personal adventure into the astral realms, which details his experiences in the astral world. Greg is a Reiki master and holds Reiki courses, astral travel workshops, meditation classes, and offers healing sessions as a Reiki master. Greg, I'm so excited to have you on the show. This is his story and this is his passion. Welcome. Thank you, Louise. It's great to be on the show. It's great to chat. So <laughs> I guess I'd really like to get started for our listeners or our watchers. What is astral projection? That is a good question, a big question, but really a simple one to answer. Um, it's kind of a definition, really. Astral projection is having an awareness that you are outside of the body and in some kind of other reality. It's, it's the amount of awareness you have. So it's, it's knowing that you are because... What I found is that we all actually astrally project at night. This is fact, and it's becoming more and more people are realizing this. So it's waking up in that other body um, and knowing that you are in this other state. And you still know that you have a, a body that is sleeping. So you're that you're very, very, very aware, very conscious. It's kind of like um, yeah, a hypervigilant state in the best sense that you're out of body. I get all that. And we'll talk about my <laughs> brief experiences <laughs> later, but would you say, I mean, you can call it so many, so, there's so many terms for it, but your, would you say your soul leaves, leaves your physical body? Is that correct? Or, well, I don't think it's quite the soul. I think because it's, um, what I like about it is like the, even the word astral comes from a Latin word astrum, which means star. So the ancients and a lot of, uh, I've spoken to a few indigenous cultures about this and they all have different names for it. So mm -hmm. that they, see that it exists and it is a literally a star body to navigate the cosmos kind of thing. So it's kind of a body that is able to interface with the mortal mind, if you like. It's kind of a go-between because, you know, it's hard to say, is it the soul of the soul? Well, well, like I think I, I sort of see the soul as something that is perhaps uh, a lot greater. I mean, often you'll hear yourself, like higher self speaking through the celestial body. I sort of feel it's an aspect of the soul or a closer aspect to what we term as the soul. But it's kind of what I like about the astral body is that you have your mortal memories intact as well as being able to um, kind of, uh, what, what would you say, kind of you're able to kind of garnish other memories as well and, and kind of remember other memories. So it's kind of, um, kind of like a go-between body, I think. Thanks. Yeah. I guess I'd love to talk about, I was blown away when I heard your um, 
ask one of your talks about your personal experiences. And I guess, you know, always an experience gives people an understanding of what it really is like. Would you mind just um, talking about how you, this, you encountered this astral projection, how it started and your incredible experiences? Yeah, yeah, well, and, and now it's kind of, it's funny because at the beginning it was so, you know, bizarre, bizarre, and now it's sort of become a kind of, oh, yeah, that's relatively normal. I think I was <laughs> the other day about that. Oh, yeah. It's, but I guess looking back, it really was uh, incredible. The very first experience, because I, I had meditated, um, you know, physical and, and mental relaxation, because I used to be a classical musician for the, just to to be relaxed when I mm. played music and not to be not to get stage fright, you know, because musicians do suffer from that. And um, but not for anything spiritual. I just you know meditated, body mind relaxed. Anyway, so one morning, uh, this is in March two thousand uh, no nineteen ninety nine. It was yeah. So um, just over twenty years ago now. <laughs> Bizarre. Um, so I'm asleep. This is this is how it started and, and really how it normally happens. So. I'm asleep just before dawn and then a light comes through my forehead and I'm thinking, hang on, what's this? So it kind of wakes me up and it's like a light that is, um, oh, it's, it's, it's really, really bright white light. Um, and it's the feeling, even I remember thinking at the time, could that be from the window? And I remember thinking, cause I lived in a mezzanine apartment in, in Vienna in Austria. And I remember I'm not, I had to get down onto the floor to look up at the at the um, the sun, the, the sky. So I knew in my mind, I thought that can't be the sunrise because we don't get the sun. So I was that lucid in my mind. That's what I mean by becoming, you know, you're very awake. It's not like a dream state. So you were asleep light. though. You were you were yeah sleeping. And it, okay. And it was the light that woke me up. So it came mm -hmm. literally into my forehead, and it was kind of like doing all that kind of sound. <laughs> Lots of wind, like it was very, very present and kind of pulsating or mm -hmm. just kind of, yeah. And then it also came into my heart and made me feel very good. That, that was the feeling of the energy of this light. And then I was just kind of hanging there, a lot of wind. And I'm thinking, what the, there seems to be a light in the middle of my forehead. And then it was like an unspoken invitation. Do I want to go with the light? And I wasn't even thinking in terms of, oh, you know, am I dying? None of that. I just felt great. I just remember this energy came to my heart. I felt very um, expanded heart space. I guess no fear, you know, ecstatic. And I thought, yeah, let's go. And then I went straight with it. And it was like, um, you know, a week later, I saw the Jodie Foster movie Contact. And that wormhole, there's a scene where she, if you've ever seen the movie, great movie. And I was drawn to see it also a week later, which is funny. But there's a, a scene in the movie where she goes down this wormhole. And this is exactly what it was like. It was like um, a tunnel. It kind of had segments. It was going, moving very fast, left and right. I had actually no body when I went down this wormhole. I was just consciousness. I remember thinking, far out. <laughs> this is bizarre. <laughs> What's going on? This is, and, it's, and it's hyper real. Then um, I remember thinking, when do I get off? And then, and then when I thought that, I remember getting off and I'm kind of um, hovering in this atmosphere of this planet. It was like a very dry-ish planet. And there were these huge structures in front of me, like really massive towers opening out, a kind of disc-shaped on top, like massive buildings, lots of windows. You could see 
like there were windows with lights on, it was around dusk. And there were a few of these buildings, and these were buildings beyond our kind of current technology. And it was very, very real. This is this whole reality thing for me was the sticking point. And um, I'm looking around in the atmosphere of this planet, and I just had this overwhelming kind of knowing within me. And a lot of the astral experiences, you just get knowing mm -hmm. and it sticks with you. It doesn't, it's not like a belief system, it's a knowing. And the knowing and the and the realization was there are others. And what, what's interesting, I hadn't consciously contemplated that question before. I know I'm, not, I'm not a UFO alien person, but it was just that feeling there are others. And then when I had that realization, then I kind of came back to my body, very, very, very come back very quickly in that and that sort of bliss, sort of overwhelming kind of bliss. And that is often the hallmark of an astral experience is this feeling of unaccountable bliss your whole body is kind of yeah it's kind of it's hard to explain so that was the first time it happened wow yeah i had no idea and then i remember um the next night i knew something major had happened because i just thought for me it was just so real like even regardless of the stuff i see in the astral I almost detach myself from what I'm seeing because if I'm seeing weird aliens or weird beings or weird places, often that can shock you and you come back to your body. So whether it's my personality type, I'm not sure, but I just kind of almost detach and, and look at what's going on. Like I'm, I'm generally looking around going, this is bizarre. Like this is really real. So for me, this obsession with the reality of the experience mm -hmm. was the thing that sort of drove me to explore further, you know, even though I was being shown things and there was a lot of ET things, a lot of things about me and my past lives, which I didn't at that stage even think about past lives, but, but I kind of would look at the reality of it. And that, that kept me at a, at a good distance from the experience so that I didn't freak out too much, get overexcited. So I kind of maintained my equilibrium as much as I could um, by focusing on the reality of the experience. But the very next night, as soon as I closed my eyes, the light came again. I opened my eyes, it went, closed them. I wasn't even asleep. I just closed oh my, my eyes and the light was there. Right. <laughs> like wind in my ears and like a tunnel and I'm going, whoa, and that freaked me out. And you didn't have anyone to talk to about this experience? Well, look, I did have my girlfriend at the time and um, she, she knew that something happened and, and that was good. I remember when that first experience happened, she, she thought she knew something, you know, she didn't poo-poo it and that, I think that's important. Mm -hmm. um, to to trust you know to have people you can trust to talk about that, but that second night that that was that was weird. Uh, as soon as I closed my eyes, it came. It was, and that that freaked me out a bit. <laughs> you know, okay. Because I had no idea what was going on. Well. Yeah. Weird. What you know, astral travel I'd never heard of. So very very, yeah. But that was how it started. Very cool. And have some of the experiences been fearful? what you've seen? I know you say you detach yourself to you, sort of your coping mechanism, but were you fearful by what you yeah. saw, what's out there? Oh, of course. I mean, look, but um, to quote someone who heard recently, there's no bad trip. <laughs> there's no such thing as a bad trip in the astral. I think a lot of it is to, <laughs> you know, we can really go into this and there are rabbit holes and rabbit holes, but if we look at what's going on, what I realize is that it is the tool for personal expansion. So if you do have a fearful experience, it's generally an aspect of, if we go to the deep end, really 
it's a very archetypal kind of uh, experience in the realms you go into really everything is archetypal now i see i don't even see this particular reality as particularly real anymore um so if when you when you're taking out kind of remnant fears that may be in the system even though you don't know you may be confronted by an archetypal aspect of that fear mm -hmm. um, and you work through it so like you know in the beginning i'd have monsters at the end of my bed you know, like furry monsters, ridiculous something. And I just, you know, I sometimes I'd swear at them or I'd do that. Or it's, it's funny what you do in the astral. It's really funny how you react, you know. Um, and um, whatever, whatever tools and it, it, you know, but the fearful stuff, you know, so there are plenty of experiences. The fearful stuff did come to a head. Um, do you want me to tell you about that? That was Sure. Really, okay. So, so things have been happening and, you do come across even black cats and you just sort of show them out, but just little monsters and stuff um, and energies. And then I'm out one night and I'm in a void. Now, often you're in a void in the astral, which is like a dark space where it's like, almost like a waiting room. I'd often go there to, and, and you have a very singular mind there. You can think, okay, I want to experience something or you can allow something to be shown to you. Or, you know, something always happens. So I'm in this void and there is this kind of creature who you would have to say is like a Medusa character, kind of a, a she, but she's kind of got like hair that it, literally like snakes or, and her skin, I never forget, was like crawling maggots and her eye, everything was crawling with putrid life. And the energy that came off her was so scary. And I'm in this void with her and she is, uh, she has these energy balls and she's throwing them at me. And I remember the first time she hit me in the left shoulder and I, I came to, so I woke up and I thought that actually hurt. I remember thinking, this is weird. And then I get out the next night and she'd be there again. So night after night, the same being was there that was really scary. That was a personification of kind of evil, you know? And I remember that was a turning point for me. I thought, okay, Am I going mad through all of this astral stuff? You know, and I hadn't told many people what I was going through, and this was going on for years. Am I going mad? Um, do I need help? Or should I just keep on going out and seeing what happens? <laughs> I took the third option. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> of course I did. So, but I had no choice. It was happening anyway. So I'd go out and I'd learnt, I learned to... So she was hitting me with these balls of energy. That was, uh, and, and we're, so we're, these were suspended in this void. It was so bizarre. And I don't even play video games or anything like that. I'm not into that. Someone said it sounds like um, something out of that show with Buffy the dragon person. Or whatever. Vampire or is it Buffy the vampire slayer yeah. or something like that? And I said, I don't watch those shows. Right. And she said it's like that. But I remember I would um, also, I was able to kind of make my own balls of energy and intercept her balls of energy. So I could stop a direct hit, but I couldn't hit her. But I still wonder what's going on. Because this was, I had, like I had no choice. That If I wanted to go further in the astral, I had to confront this being that was so scary. Mm -hmm. Much scarier than anything you've seen on any TV, that, like really scary. Like to see the eyes, like to see the skin as maggots and everything and, and float, oh boy. And it's and super real. Super real. And the smell was like you've never smelled anything so gut-wrenching. It was brutal. Anyway, 
I'm out there for a while thinking, okay, this is a real, I don't, you know, what, what is going on? Is this a test? And this is where at that stage I thought, well, is this a test or something? And then, then she, she called me by name after a few nights. She said, um, it's after about a week. She said, Greg, you're getting good at the whole defending thing, aren't you? I thought, okay. Well, she called me by name, defending thing. Next minute she was right in front of me and I thought I would astrally puke. And like her face was there and, and I felt this. It wasn't intellectual. I felt this. Um, it just happened kind of automatically. It was just this. Um, my heart just opened. I felt this really strong wave of empathy toward her. And I don't know where that came from. So in the astral, you're very much, um, your, your senses are almost unified. So you're like, a, like everything is very connected, all of your senses. It's like rather having five separate senses, it's like you have all these senses that are, so if you want to touch something, you can almost look at it and touch it. So this was this feeling of a, of a heart opening that was like a really visceral opening. As I felt this wave of empathy for her, her face changed. And it was one of radiance. It was just this beautiful light. And she just smiled and said, you see, Greg, it's all the same. Now, the words themselves, what does that mean? Cryptic. But as I came to, I realized that there was no such thing as evil, that it was all the face of light seen through our own shadow. So it was like there is the face of light, which is the cosmos or you know, unconditional love, whatever it is out there. And we have this shadow in between that we have kind of um, created. Well, there's, there's the, the collective human fear. There's all these things going on. And so, and even the lower astral, which is, you know, in, in dimension closest to ours, which is where a lot of the archetypes and a lot of the myths and fairy tales lurk. And the, the humans have birthed these creatures and fears into actual existence. But it's our, it's our, our making. So anyway, it was the feeling that there is no evil and since then i just haven't been hassled that's great um, yeah and it's a great release too because one one thing you really do release in going out of body is you release the fear of death very much so and then um to know that there's no dark forces because a lot of the this particular realm relies on that notion of you know good and evil Mm. But this and is it, all part, part of the illusion. Yeah, and it's very interesting. It's almost, as you said, or what I thought you said, is that it's a reflection of your own fears, yeah. you know, evil. It's, it's, you know, we live in a hologram, so you're basically reflecting yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. And this is part of the program, you know. I think part of the... I think, I think the great teacher is in the mainstream. I think the mainstream, as in, like, the mainstream media, is a wonderful teacher because it teaches us what is not. <laughs> like everything that is streamed out of it, it's literally the opposite. Right. You know, it's like looking in a mirror, you think that's you, but in fact it's the left is right and right is left. It's kind of the opposite. You know? And I know you said to me earlier, you know, in the beginning you, got a, you almost got addicted to doing this on a nightly basis or, you know, maybe not nightly, but certainly oh, yeah. oh, a lot. Yeah. I would come home even during the day and just, you know, lie on the floor and just relax my body and mind and just say, let's go. You know, it was just like, so this energy was very strong. So in the beginning of the, so, so there'd be lights coming to take me all vibrations. And often with people when they're, when they're um, learning as to travel, what you kind of learn to listen for is vibration. So you kind of, I would listen for these like, would come and it would very much the heart region would start to, Palpitate, but it's more your heart chakra starting to vibrate. So this 
and even in one of my early experiences in the astral, I was shown the aura and the energy systems by one of my guides. And the funny thing was I had no interest. I remember she was showing me these, I mean, it was a beautiful field and she's showing me the aura and the chakras and I'm like insulting her. I'm hurling insults just because I'm thinking, what is going on here? And um, it was like I had no choice in the matter. It was so funny, but um, she, yeah, yeah. So the whole chakra system is very identified with the astral body. So your astral body, um, the chakras are like the organs and then the astral body itself preempts physical. So, so that when we think about our chakra system, we're, we're kind of going into our preemptive body that is kind of uh, cocooning the physical. So your astral body is actually around the physical. So like your astral eyes, cause it's bigger would be in the area of what they call the third eye, which makes sense because everything's a bit bigger. So the, um, yeah, the whole chakra system is interesting and in how that correlates with the, the physical and, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. So you mentioned um, before that usually happen, happens before dawn or early hours of the morning. Yep. In our, well, our time or our reality, whatever you want to call it, it could be, I'm not sure, I'm just asking, it could be five minutes, but you could be there for what seems like hours having experiences. Is that right? Yeah, it is beyond time. And I've tested that one by, by deliberately waking up during an experience and hearing voices speed up and things like this. So... It seems to be beyond time. I think that's why um, often referred to is the, the, the singular mind in the astral. I think that's why in the astral your mind is so focused and, and that's why this, this blissful state comes. And then as you come back into the physical, like I've analysed how I feel when I come back into the physical mm-hmm. and you can kind of feel these layers almost like, um, like armour, it's like mud and, and you feel the time-space continuum being slapped around you. So... In this realm, in our realm of 3D, we have this linear concept. Obviously, that's a parameter to experience what we're doing. So this notion of past and, and future, whereas therefore the now is constantly moving like the, the second hand of a, of a clock. It's constantly in movement. Whereas there, because you have this feeling of being just very still and very present, and it is the feeling of no time. So the mind is really easy to grasp that that concept of presence and, and singular mind. And, and it's in that singular mind that you can then access an astral experience. Like it's almost like uh, the cosmos um, can't always hear our distracted thoughts. Whereas if you take a thought out there and you think of the notion of prayer and you think of this, the eons of you know religions talking of prayer and mantras, it's almost like that, those prayers and mantras are trying to find a way into the singular mind to be answered. So they keep peppering it when saying the prayer over and over again, which can, which you can use the mantra to go astral as well. You can't, the mantra is a very, very good way of going astral, just saying something over and over again. So that when you fall asleep, you just take a snippet of this thought through into the greater mind. And then it's answered immediately. Like it's amazing what can happen. If you, if you take out um, a thought or a notion or an intention, into the astral, you'll, you'll have immediate repercussions in, in the realm of 3D. So you think of healing. I've, I've had some phenomenal uh, experiences with that and, and um, experimenting uh, on people. Um, it's really very interesting. So it really is outside of the time continuum. So that, that's why it's difficult sometimes to focus the mind in this reality and, and people shouldn't be so hard on themselves because it is a, it's a linear reality. 
So thoughts in the astral realm happen almost instantly. Yeah, they manifest. So say you want to... Yeah, so, so if I wanted... Um, I remember early on thinking, okay, chocolate ice cream. <laughs> it was the best chocolate ice cream. Like perfect, not too sweet, you know, depending on the taste. And it was sort of like... And I thought to myself, this is so real, tastes so perfect. My perception of it... Um, Yet I have no idea of the recipe. I have no idea. I didn't have to um, go out and work to make the money to buy mm. the ice cream. So it's very direct. Our reality is very much, people have this perception. I remember in, the, in that, uh, on that actually line of thought, I remember having this astral experience and waking up knowing that we are not dependent upon, how do I say this? Um, we, we tend to think that, um, this equals that, or this action equals that, and we're not dependent upon our what we think our financial restrictions are. And I know that sounds kind of very out there, but I remember realizing that, thinking, "Hang on, we've got it all wrong." You know, we. And I remember a, a week later. I remember I had an old car at the time. I was living in um, Victoria, and um, someone gave me the present of a new car <laughs> after that realization. And it was a feeling that you know we're not dependent upon our kind of financial Monetary. restrictions. Yeah, yeah, that, that notion. Because if I can do that in the astral, then why can't I? And it's fascinating that within a week of that experience, I remember people getting really sort of annoyed with me saying, can you accept a car as a president? It was just from someone who I'd helped. And, and they came up with the idea of giving me a car. Um, it was really quite, quite bizarre. And I so did thinking, you ask for the car? Did you? No. Uh, you, did you think you wanted a new car? I don't know. I just remember okay. I couldn't get out the door. I had to get out the passenger door, which was pretty funny. I was pretty good at that kind of thing. But I just remember it was that same time of this realisation that we're not dependent upon certain restrictions that we put upon ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, that our material well-being is not necessarily dependent upon our, yeah, the reality we think we're in. You know what I mean? I, I guess so. Our mind really is the restriction to what we're capable of. It is. And I think when you open that mind to these greater, um, you know, possibilities, when you genuinely open the mind, then, then possibilities can just pour in without you having to cherry pick them. So I guess that segues me to all your incredible experiences. How, how does it change your perception of this reality that I believe, I mean, we may not be real, but I believe we're talking now. How, how, yeah. how does it change your life? Well, yeah, well, I mean, it is real. It's, it's, um, I, I like it more. In that look, in the beginning, I did have, you know, I was addicted to these higher states of being. I say high because they're, they're you know, they're high frequencies, so mm -hmm. there's more colors and more sounds, so it's beautiful. Yeah? Um, but over time, when I realized that the asshole is infusing all through this reality as well, and, and that there's a lot of kind of magic that can go on, um, I, I really do enjoy 3D reality now, but probably um, it's less weighty as it was. It's more fun. Um, it's a game of energy in the best sense, not, not to, not to um, denigrate it all, but it's a game of energy. It's all about the game of energy. So I do enjoy this reality. I see this reality as preparation for the next step. So personally, um, I see each day, you know, how awake can I be during the day and how do I interact with this reality in preparation for night? Because when we go to sleep at night, I mean, you're not going to 
you're not going to walk across the road with your eyes totally closed. You're going to look around. So when I go to sleep at night, I like to be prepared for when I go to sleep. So my mind, it's a preparation for those times so that I can have more vivid experiences uh, and that I can access um, energies and, and um, kind of, you know, possibilities from, from the, you know, the, the, the greater realms. So, and in the same token, I see this lifetime as preparation for the end of this lifetime, for, for death, so that we can move over consciously, we can move consciously into the next phase of existence. So, and, but I still enjoy it, you know, I, I'm uh, like a kid. I mean, I, I, I think um, it's a long, a long winded answer. <laughs> no, no, it's great. <laughs> I think I'm, you know, I'm probably more present than I was. So as a result, um, probably less, you know, I'm a Capricorn by birth, but I'm probably less of that than I was. I'm less of a, you know, kind of stubborn individual in that way with life. I don't headbutt this reality as much as I did, I think. It flows a bit more. Yeah, that's right. I think the path of least resistance. And um, I don't know, it just came up, I guess, in, in this reality. What do you think about relationships or people in our life or who come into our life? How, on an energetic perspective, does mm. that work? I think it's a karmic thing. It's like a resonance thing. So there are, they'll show themselves whatever continent you go. You know, you'll have that kind of energy. And I think it is, when I say karmic, I mean it's... Um, you know, there's there's aspects of yourself that we're wishing to kind of clarify or solve or heal. So that aspect will pop up in front of you um, no matter where you are. So I think it, it is all karmic stuff. And I think that um, really uh, you think of the family, I think I think that how many energetic buttons are, are, are triggered by family in particular? Mm. And I think that's where we've really got to look to because I think, you know, I don't I don't want to come back in that unconscious desire to prove this or get back at this or whatever, whatever. So I think that to diffuse those charges, uh, be that how you do it, between family members or very close friends is what it's all about, to, to lose the charge. Um, and once again, the mainstream is a great teacher. The mainstream teaches you what is not. It teaches you to take the side. You're either um, for climate change or you deny climate change. You are either for that or deny that. So the mainstream is wanting us to take sides, which very much serves the karmic agenda. Uh, it's like the old water that's just being, you know, rehashed through a water wheel. But you can jump off the water wheel, I think, when you, when you decide not to go along with that perspective and, and to discharge the energy and to look at what really is going on there, you know. So to be less reactive as well to certain situations. Absolutely. I think, and, and reactivity is the, is the main thing, I think, through the, this whole astral experience. I think I've become far, far, far less genuinely reactive in the best sense. Because you did mention before that it's not so much um, emotional, but feeling is bodily, mm. well, not bodily, but um, <laughs> energetic feeling. It is, it is. Yeah, it's a kinesthetic thing. As you say, it is, it is kind of from the body. It's... Um, you know, but that for me was a self-serving mechanism because in the astral, you kind of, if you get too emotional, you're kind of slung back at high velocity into the body. 
Um, so I learned to avoid those really high emotions. So if I'm seeing something absolutely bizarre or incredibly beautiful nests, like beautiful lakes or these beautiful temples, and it's this incredible peace, rather than going, oh, wow, amazing, 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 then I'll get, well, I'll be cast back in my body. So I've learned to keep that down and kind of feel a low-level burning contentment. So I find for purely self-serving reasons, then if I did, that would also help me be less reactive in 3D. And then by being less reactive in 3D would help me then go into these higher dimensions when I slept at night. So it's kind of like a, um, a feedback loop, you know, like a snowball effect where, um, and then I started to tune into the notion of, okay, why is it when I buy something, it's good we all need our material stuff, but often I, I would buy something and I would feel this real kind of, ooh, this, this energy kind of vortex drop. And I realized it was because there's an aspect of me that had been, you know, kind of, oh, wow, that's great. And that, of course, is going to fall away. And I, and I thought to myself, well, that's interesting because that, that's what I call emotion. Emotion is something that is uh, dependent upon an external. Right. Uh, situation whereas a feeling like and very much in the astral is the realm of feelings like you just feel bloody great you know and you feel loved and you just feel and you understand okay that's what love is this this absolute non-judgmental just uber caress you know and then then you're reminded of like when you're a little kid and your mum would say you know um yeah oh clean up your room in brackets then i'll show you my love or be a good boy and i'll give you an ice cream so that is where we're trained or into conditional love, this notion of, oh, if I do that, I receive love. Mm. And that, that very much falls into the karmic notion of crime and punishment. Or, you know, and then, then what happens when you're in these realms after a while, you know, you, you kind of, like people say, oh, isn't that person terrible? You know, someone's done something bad. And you think, well, I don't know that. I, I, I haven't met that person. Um, and sometimes you feel a whelm of him, uh, uh, sort of um, of empathy for them, even though what they've done might be questionable. But you you can't hate that person, you know, because how can you hate another person? You know, so it's yeah, it's um, it it rubs off on on in this dimension as well. So the whole thing is all is all connected. This 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 notion of unconditional, what I call feelings, just rising out of nowhere. So like when you're meditating, you just feel great for no reason. Um, rather than feeling jumping up and down at a million miles an hour um, because you got some latest little device thing. And that, that, that is going to fall that you will, you will fall from that. And that's, yeah, yeah you can't not because any emotional condition is dependent upon its presence. Once that, once that drops away and there's always the fear of it dropping, we always say that we have the fear of loss. I think the human condition is to discover the fear of losing we do actually, yeah. We lose everything in the end, everything. So there's nothing we can actually gain from this experience of being human. It's really the, the process of it, the being of it, rather than some target. Um, that's an illusion, the notion that, oh, I will be whole or perfect when I've reached that target. It's, it's already, you know, that, that itself is setting up for fall. So um, Another long-winded answer for you. There. No, no, no. It's great. We are perfect the way we are. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that perfection, you know, there's a, a, a planet uh, I went to early on in the astral. And funny enough, other travelers have gone there too. And um, 
that's where there's this big red moon, this other moon, and you move to meditate there. I remember meditating there for the first time, so I closed my eyes in the astral and, and meditated. I remember this overwhelming sense that there's nothing to strive for, that life isn't a test, it's just a guide to greater experiences of being. And it was just this feeling that of real perfection that we um that everything that has happened in my life until that point, I realized there were no long turns, there were no there were apparent dead ends, but in fact they got me to that point. So it was I guess you you're totally in the now in the astral. Therefore, you have absolute self-acceptance because you wouldn't be in that now unless you had gone down all those roads. Yes, exactly. So you're not accepting yourself if you don't. Yeah, so it is this feeling of, of, of absolute perfection and full acceptance. And I'm sure you get this question asked a lot, but so you talk about, you know, there is other people out there that are other realms. Are we being watched? Yeah, we basically are. They're, they're, in the beginning, I, I was playing silly buggers a lot because I didn't know that this was a um, what you would call a spiritual kind of thing. Like that wasn't on my radar. I used to shock people. I still want to see how I could um, interact with people. So I go out of body in this realm. What I call real-time astral is being a ghost in this realm. Okay. Okay. That's what they often call the fourth dimension. So it's that feeling of... You can go, astral, astral travel is really loosely for going to any dimensional states. We call it astral travel, but literally the astral is just around us. This is that lower fourth dimension. So I would go in the street, I'd see people walking around, they couldn't see me, and I would inhabit their space as they were walking. And I could feel their emotional story, like I could feel everything about them. I knew everything about them. So if I were to inhabit their space and move into their body, I could, I could sense everything, and and therefore, if I wanted to, I could have an impact on that person's emotional space. Now, is that is that ethical? Now, I would um, also um, I would fly down and I would boo people. I would try to yank them out of their body at night. I remember once I came down. There was a, someone was coming out of a church, and um, I said uh, I flew down right near them and thought, okay, I'll see what happens. You know, I said Jesus loves you. You know, making some kind of mock coming. And they got a bit of a start. And that was when there was a guy behind me, a good-looking guy with blonde hair um, in an interesting outfit, said, Greg, don't do that again. And he was very loving the way he said it. Um, and I thought, whoa, it's interesting. And I noticed there were kind of guardians. Um, so they kind of, um, if, if something comes and pull, this, and this will give people something to think, think about, because people think, oh, you know, I felt someone pulling my ankles, whatever. If someone yanks you out of your body, at night they have the right to do so they have the right to do so if you get scared and think oh i saw a shadow that's your own fears because um no one can pull you out of body if they don't have the right to do that so everyone needs to know that it is a guided experience so the astral you have guardians when you go out of body there are guides with you in fact these vibrations that come along are kind of beams you know so I know I've met my astral guides. They're great. You know, um, one of them stays um, and the other one's often someone different. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a guided experience that is watched. And, but it's not watched in terms of, you know, dealing out judgment. It's more there's a, a guardianship thing going on there. There's always a guide with you. Yeah, there's always there's beings around, you know. And even I remember once... Um, when it was interesting, I 
and, it, and here is a classic little uh, segue into, into one particular topic. But what, to get into this experience, I was, in a, I was in a lucid dream. Okay. Now, in this lucid dream, I was in a cave. And I realized I, realized I was dreaming. So that a lucid dream is when you realize you're dreaming. So I looked around the cave. And there was nothing going on. And it was pretty like, you know, the surroundings weren't really as structured as, as in this 3D. So often, if you really have a look at a dreamscape, it's often pretty sketchy. But I noticed a boulder that looked very real, like it was looking at me. You know, I just saw this boulder, and I thought, hmm. So I knew to do this, and I, I, I zeroed in on the boulder, so I put all of my awareness. Now, once again, it's not just the mind, but it's the whole body, so it is a visceral thing. I put my whole awareness on this boulder, and I got pulled through it. Like, I went through the boulder, and then all of a sudden, I was kind of out, um, it was actually like a cave in the other reality, but it was outside of it, but it was more like a kind of quasi cave structure. It was interesting, but it was very real. And all these people were there. So I went into another reality. And then there was this guy who said, Oh, hi, Greg, I'm, I'm your guide. Now I noticed he happened to have a particular badge on him from a certain religious order. And I thought, that's interesting. Anyway, this guy said, I'm, I'm your guy. And I, I wondered. And next to me was my guy, this woman who, who'd been there from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And she's aged in earth years, this blonde woman. And she often tells me things and shows me things. She was the one who showed me auras in the beginning. And so I'd gone from insulting her to understanding her purpose. <laughs> anyway, I was thinking, is this person my guide? And then she said, no, you're not. Oh. And they had a little bit of a, oh, it was like that, a bit of a standoff. And then um, he kind of sort of sighed. And I thought, I thought that was interesting. Someone is impersonating my guide. And then I have a guy step in front of me and she very rarely steps in front. Even in the same scene, there was this woman who came to me. There were these people around the place. I thought, well, there's obviously some reason I'm here. So I, and this woman said, um, she said, Greg, she said, I need you to help me. My husband murdered me. And I want you to bring him to justice. And all these people were queuing up and I knew what was going on here. I remember thinking, oh, you know, like a lot of people do that whole thing of, you know, and I, funnily enough, I, I was a bit weird with ghosts or, or kind of ex-humans. I'm okay with aliens, but with ghosts, I was a bit weird. Okay. Uh, <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> Childhood conditioning, I'm sure. But anyway, um, I thought, oh, do I want to help this person? And then I looked, she said, can you help me? And then I looked to my guide next to me and she was just kind of stony faced looking up. So she wasn't going to intercede then, but she did intercede with the guy the, who yeah. said he's my guide. Yeah. So, and I chose not to go. I said, Oh, I don't want to get involved. And that's, that's open a can, can of worms. And that was the feeling. And I, you know, and I, I understand those who do do that, but I, you know, I didn't want to knock on my, on my bedroom door all night kind of thing. So, but yeah, it's a, it is a guide experience. And I think that because I know that, that's taken a lot of the fear out of it. Like I know it's guided, you know, so people, mm. people do have some misconceptions. And I even, even occasionally, I think the courses I do, uh, the astral courses often it's just to allay those fears with people. I think that's the main thing to allay to this fear of letting go, this fear of really letting go because the astral experience is a letting go, not adding on because we're all going out anyway. So it's thinking of what is blocking us from having that experience and kind of dissolving it. Um, but it's guided like, you know, and a lot of people 
have realized that the shadow they saw perhaps was them, you know, perhaps they were in the body and they'd come back too quickly and, you know, um, or it was a guide coming out, but they're so freaked out, you know, and they can't see properly in the astral in the beginning, you can't see. And so when I really talked to some people who've had issues and said, okay, what was really going on? You know, what was the fear? What did they, did they make you feel that way? Or did you feel that way seeing them? They've worked out, okay, it actually wasn't. Yeah. What also, yeah. And what also intrigues me is that you can, um, you can be astral projecting, but, you know, go and check on people in this reality or ask questions about yourself. Yeah, it's great. That you want answers for. And what is really cool is this. You can go and people, check on boyfriends or you can. You, 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 <laughs> children you can. that are out partying, whatever. You can. And um, what is really bizarre is that the questions are often asked for you because in the beginning, as I said, I didn't really know what was going on. I remember that one of the first times I heard myself speak through my crown it was like um what i call my higher self or an aspect of my higher self so he'd actually i'd hear his words really kind of like a resonator through my crown and one of them was early on i got out of body and i thought what's going what's going to happen i i didn't have any intention and i just heard my own voice say i want to see me All right this is one of the early experiences it's incredible now i never thought of that consciously so it was thought up for me but it did use my own voice then I saw me as I was, and that gave me a start because there, you know, when you see when you see yourself in, you know, high def five D, five D, whatever, it's pretty surreal. Exactly as I was at that particular time. Then there was a slideshow, and with the wind in my, often the astral wind, and I got younger and younger and younger. And then there was until I was a baby, and then I was gone. Then there was this old Chinese Mongolian guy. I just knew he was Chinese Mongolian. Same thing. Younger, 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 and, and, the, and the eyes were always in the same place. This is what was like wrapping around my eyes. Um, then there was this like African, then he died. Then there was this, um, probably in his 30s, like an African medicine man. I remember looking at all his regalia, getting freaked out because, you know, he had that real sort of powerful look about him, like, because he's in the astral and he had, was wearing all this stuff. I remember thinking, whoa. And then he got younger, gone. And then there was this really weird looking alien. And the background was also not Earth. I remember thinking this. This is early on. I thought, oh, I'm getting out of here. And as I pulled out, a voice said, intermission. <laughs> and um, so I was like, you've got no choice, Sonny. <laughs> anyway, it was that, and I just knew I had this bizarre experience, but I didn't know what it was. Now, here's the knowing thing. I'd been brought up kind of a Catholic or non-practicing Catholic, but a Catholic. I had not entertained the notion of, past or concurrent lives i hadn't entertained that notion right a few days later as it often does after this experience someone who i i was a meditation teacher i i entrusted to tell her that what had happened and she said greg that sounds like a past life regression when she said that my whole body went and that was the astral body the vibration you get all through your body that's actually your energetic astral body so then it was the astral body kind of imprinting the knowing and once again it's the phenomenon I, i'm interested the next instant, I knew that's what it was. It wasn't like, oh, it could have been that. Or we often shade things off. Oh, that was bizarre. And then you sort of forget about it, you know, the next thing. I knew that I've lived before or live in other lives. And for some reason, knowing that and being confronted with that somehow took a lot of the trauma out of being alive. I don't know why. It just seemed to diffuse the trauma or maybe I'd felt that 
um, I guess I'd kind of felt lonely as a kid or perhaps a bit different, a bit different. So for me, it seemed to dissolve some form of, I don't know, angst at being human. Like I knew that, that I wasn't just the sum of this life, that a lot of my feelings or even depression that I'd gone through as a, as a youngster may not have just been in this life. I just knew that. It may have yeah. been also. So things were afoot in other dimensions and that made me feel kind of less alone, I guess. It was really cool. Nice. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe we should talk about. <laughs> so I was blown away by your your one of your talks, and I had a look at your website, and we'd already agreed to interview. But I booked a what's it called a preliminary session? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Two days uh, ago. Yeah, yeah. And I said, okay, I really, really want to do this. <laughs> and as we spoke this morning, I said, nothing's happened. I haven't slept for two days. I've been trying so hard. <laughs> And you said it might take a couple of weeks to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it really is. Um, and I think uh, like I've got, um, if you do it like, and we, we work more on this, but a lot of it is um, in my courses, in, like, even in my online course too, I go through quite a few meditations to kind of release the remnant fears that are within us. Cause even though we might want, we might want a, a situation mm -hmm. to happen, there can be past lives when, when we were persecuted for, for showing signs of self-knowledge. And, um, and then there's a trauma associated with that, even though it's good and that can be embedded. So um, somewhere in the system. So a lot of it is just, and it's not that difficult to do, but a lot of it is to feeling into your body and feeling, okay, where, where is perhaps, you know, some cramp or some kind of, you know, so it's like the, um, you think of those, you know, they find those, little arrowheads, you know, really old arrowheads at sort of Stone Age people. It's like those little things. I think that in shamanic, in shamanic um, terms, they call it a soul retrieval. So one great thing about the astral is that you, you, you go through this pro process of soul retrieval. Like on that planet when I meditated, it was this feeling that um, you kind of bring in those remnant aspects of yourself that through trauma are somehow caught like anchors in, in the past or in the ether somewhere. So it really is dissolving. It, takes a, it can take a little while. I find generally on average like a couple of weeks of kind of the meditations and stuff. And, and we just scratched the surface the other day. Yes. But we can get into deep meditations and, that, and then you'll, you start to feel something stir, you know, and that's when it's exciting, when you start to just feel this different cogs moving, different cogs, then you think, okay, I'm onto something. Or maybe a face. Like I'm always looking for something kind of bizarro is a good sign. Like it, bizarro, I like that word. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's very Seinfeld, isn't it? Um, <laughs> like it doesn't even have to make logical sense. See, we're in the realms of the logical here in 3D. We're very locked into the realms of logical, which is kind of the realms of the insane. Whereas when you move into these other realms, they're not as logical, but more sane. Um, and what I mean by that is like, I, I, over the, I've got this chair, which is like... Um, I'll show you on the camera when we do when we do more personal sessions. But I've got this chair that is a zero gravity NASA design chair. It's really cool. You go back and you're kind of the same as an astronaut. It's perfect for astral traveling because it takes off all the weight off the spine. And when I moved to my new place, I set a portal around that chair. So I put a very strong intention in a meditative state. I put a very strong intention that I wish this to be an astral portal. So I'm in the chair in a quasi meditative state, but still kind of alert. 
Then I hear this smashing of glass above me, and this woman screams out. Now, logically, that's scary. But to me, this coming from other realities, this uber reality of it, the smashing of glass, I thought, yeah, let's go. <laughs> that, so to me, that's okay. A portal is being made. Right. But the logical realms would say, run away from that. That's scary. So it's beyond that. Mm. You know, and um, we really are taught from an early age to be scared of you know, entities walking into your room or ghosts. And, you know, we're, we're taught that, we're programmed, and, and that keeps us, you know, from venturing too far. And that, and then the system of the karmic system, that that I found is actually serving certain, I'm getting into the deep end here, but there are certain races of ETs that are uh, nourished by this unconscious compliance that we have going on here. They're literally nourished. Like recycling, don't, I don't see it as negative. It's just how it is. It's like a recycling of energy, you know, and then we can get lost in that. We can get lost in that needing to prove, needing to have a stance, that, and then that brings us back into the karmic thing again and again and again. So, um, boy, I went on a tangent then, didn't I? No, no, but, no, that was fabulous. Just to alleviate any fears that anyone might have. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, it's a pretty rich experience being human, and <clears throat> pretty rich experience. But to, yeah, to, to like to set up, there are all sorts of things you can do, like setting up um, portals and stuff, just with intention. Intention mm -hmm. is huge. So the whole thing, and I think really, even to go as really aware and, and your listeners can can try this is really just to take an intention from this logical, insane state into what I mean by insane is, you know, we have war, um, we, we have hunger, um, we have government that is not in our interests. We, you know, it's quite insane, right? So, uh, it's a very judgmental realm. It's very much, you know, this for that, this for that. So if you take a, a clear intention from those, from the wake, from the waking mind into that, the other realms of illogical where in the realms of like in the, in the, in the other realms, like gravity doesn't matter. You know, there's no such thing as gravity. There's no such thing that you are only due something because of your status in this world or something. So these, these other realms don't need that kind of logic. Um, so that's where the mantra is very good. And, and I will mention that too. So people, you know, want, they can say a mantra, like even like, you know, tonight I'm going to go out of body and into the astral realms. I remember the entire experience. And they can just say that over and over again. And it'll get lost sometimes. You don't even have to think the words. The words carry energy themselves. Just, you know, and they'll sort of go in and out. Then you wake up again. So... By doing that, by having a mantra, you kind of stop yourself from falling asleep automatically and just keeps you awake a bit longer. And you kind of, so you're playing with that cusp of wake and sleep is, is the real trick for the astral experience. It's playing on that cusp. And, and, and uh, a, a great thing I did a few years ago, or early on actually, because I realized there was a lot of stuff to do with the third eye. So this, this you know, light that came in obviously came through what is perceived as the third eye. But... I would, I would put my eyeballs, focus my eyeballs up to that area, right? Not too strained, just a little, maybe up to about here, put the eyeballs up to about there. And I'd fall asleep like that. So I, I would think I want to go astral. And every time I start to fall asleep, I just put my eyeballs up and that would stop me from falling asleep. Now, one time I thought, what if I just focus my eyeballs on that area and don't let go and see what happens? 
So I did that. I just kept my eyeballs on that area. And I had a very relaxed body to start with. So you really relax your body to start with. That's the key in the astral experience. Really relax the body. Like go through relaxing each part. I did that. I relaxed my body. Then I put my eyes under that. Now it took one and a half hours. After one and a half hours of lying there, very patiently with my eyes slightly up, my body just said that's enough and fell asleep. And I felt the body drop. So your body has its own mind. You know, we discussed this the other day. Your body has the, you know, the idea of the body wanting to live or wanting to eat if you're fasting. Your body has its own agenda. Your body has its self-serving agenda. And so my body, after one and a half hours of doing this, literally said, okay, I give up. And, and you felt it. I felt this visceral. And then I thought, whoa. And then the third eye region was like a cinema screen just opened up, a widescreen cinema. And my guide was there, that blonde woman. And she said, hi, Greg. Now, that was bizarre. Amazing. But, yeah, it was. But it took one and a half hours to get there. you know. And fortunately, I'm a crap sleeper as it is. <laughs> so I thought I might as well just do this. So that's what I mean by tiring, doing all this stuff. You know, the next day you can be tired. It's good to do during holidays or when you have a day off, you know, to experiment because often you're, you're experimenting with the mind at night, lying in bed, and, and the whole idea is not to fall asleep so quickly. That might be why I'm so tired. <laughs> exactly. Well, well, you know, and it can often be good to do the exercises during the day, like, you know, you relax your body, relax your mind, you're going to go out of body and you tell yourself this stuff, and you do it during the day, and that can often prime you for the night. But what I found is, um, and as you do yourself, you're into meditation. I find meditating during the day can make me less tired at night. But, you know, now um, I have personally probably less craving for the experience that I used to have. And, um, but if I want something to happen, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of insist that it happens. I'll insist. Okay. Yeah. I'll ask my guy, and I often ask my guides because I know they're there. I'll say, hey, guides, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. <laughs> Great. This, and, and your website, and for anyone that's listening, I always I'll put all your show, the notes in the, your details in the show notes, but your website has some incredible offerings. It does. Look, what I've got for listeners um, of the podcast, if you go to, so the website is gregdoyleastral.com. And if you put in gregdoyleastral.com slash forward slash um, passion harvest, one word, you will uh, be taken to like a link that takes you to a $50 off the online course. So any of your listeners who'd like to try it. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. And I will put that in the show notes as well. Because it really does help. I mean, I, I sort of, in the beginning, I wrote this book. If you, oh, I've got the book here. This is how the oh, book. Hold works. it up. I wrote that book. Um, I found myself in Spain a few years ago and I wrote it in 2012. Well, that was a weird experience, the reason I wrote it too. But anyway, I wrote it just so I wanted to get all the experiences down and then that was kind of my coming out. And then people said, oh, can you, can you, can you, do, um, can you teach this? Uh, when I came back to Australia, I said, I don't know. And then I started teaching and I found people were having, getting out of body and they were having positive experiences. So the thing is, um, I can guarantee that it, even if you don't have full-blown experiences now or whatever, it might take a while, but it's it's going to help in some way. Like it's going to make you feel better about life. It's going to make you feel better and more lucid and more multidimensional conscious. So it's a good fun course too. It's got yeah, to... amazing. And you, mm. I know you hold workshops, you know, yeah. around the country. So yeah, yeah. 
Great. It's good fun. Fantastic. Well, that's what we all want. I think so. It's got to be fun. I think it's got to be fun. That <laughs> leads me to my final question. And since this is a show about passion and, you know, living yeah. a joyful life, if someone's looking to, I guess it's going to be astral projection, the answer, but maybe not. But <laughs> anyone that's looking to lead a passionate life or to follow what makes them feel good or follow their dreams, what would you recommend? That's a good question. Um, in terms of leading a passionate life, look, I think it, it and, and also this astral experience has taught me that, to, um, you know, come from a state of, um, what's the word, how, how you feel about things, being authentic, the, 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 an authentic life, an authentic life, because the astral experience did railroad my other life. I became uber authentic, not out of rudeness, but I became difficult to manage <laughs> in my other world um that there was there was a lot of ego going on so i found that i i just would say things you know at the time that would not necessarily serve my um my employment at the time i just i i had this overwhelming desire to be authentic so i i feel just to follow your authentic self is 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 the passionate way of of, of creating a life you know what a beautiful answer thanks for that one greg it's been such a honor and pleasure to have you on passion harvest oh thank you louise it's been so cool it's been so great i really enjoyed it i've loved talking with you and i can't wait to do some more astral traveling mentoring with you absolutely it'd be great <laughs> thanks so much bye thank you bye that is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.